The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Boy, what a week of baseball it's been for the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show on UltimateSportsTalk.com. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along on this Monday night. As this is the first Monday night of the month of August. We've got just two more months left to go in the Major League Baseball season before October hits and the playoffs begin. But, of course, tonight we're going to talk about the Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And in order to do that, we've got to go down south and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how you doing tonight? I'm pretty good, Dave. I've um, been doing some homework uh, over the last week and just to educate myself and hopefully <clears throat> some of our fans out there. But, uh, you know, I keep looking at those standings in the american league central and i keep waiting for the indians to put the hammer down and pull away but uh, you know it it, this thing could go down to september at this point i mean if if one team gets hot the indians are clearly they have the lead but uh you know when you're within six or seven games even now you've got a chance and you know that 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 division is right now i don't know about how you feel about it it's a lot closer now than I thought it would be at the beginning of the year. Mark, what what I have found interesting, and, and I went back and looked too, was the Indians have played two games against Boston. They had one game rained out. They've got Boston coming up later on this week at home. They've played four games against the New York Yankees and three games against the Houston Astros. And the reason I put the Astros in this is because the Astros have got the the best record in the American League. Now, when you take those nine games that the Indians have played against those three teams, Mark, they're three and four. Now, I think if you go 500 against the best teams in baseball, you're doing yourself pretty good justice. It's the other teams that you've got to start beating the crap out of. And the Indians haven't done it. They haven't been able to play well against Detroit this year. Detroit's in fourth place. They haven't played very well against the Chicago White Sox this year. You know, they've taken care of business against Toronto. They've taken care of business against Baltimore. They've taken care of business against even the Seattle Mariners and the California Angels. But when it comes to the other teams that they've run into problems with, such as Kansas City, Minnesota, for example, they haven't been able to take care of business, and that's been their problem. But that being said, I still think the Indians, Mark, have the best pitching staff in baseball. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think on paper, and, and we've said that from spring training till now, right. on paper that is the best pitching staff maybe in baseball. When you go, you know, the, all 13 pitchers or 12 pitchers, whatever they have, there may be some, you know, teams like the Dodgers that have great pitching staffs and the Yankees and some others. But, I mean, if I had to go to a short series, I'm taking the Indians. And that's just a, an outstanding staff. But that, that, that's my point. I mean, I think they are head and shoulders above most teams in, in the American League, and I think all teams in the Central, and yet they've not been able to widen that gap to what I would consider a comfortable lead and every week that goes by that they don't get a comfortable lead, then you, you wonder, oh, boy, is, is this team, are they setting us up for some real disappointment at the end of the year? No, I agree with you. The Indians have been a team this year, Mark, that has gone, they'll, of course, they had the nine-game winning streak a couple of weeks ago, and then they lose three or four in a row. I, I'm the kind of person, and I don't know if you agree with this, I love I love winning streaks, but I want to see what you do after you lose the game that ends the winning streak. I don't want to see you go on a nine-game winning streak and then lose four or five in a row because that just basically negates the winning streak that you had. I want to see what you do after the winning streak. And the Indians this year, they've been a streak team. They win nine in a row, 
they lose four in a row. They win three in a row. They lose two in a row. They lose four in a they lose four in a row. Then they go back and they win three in a row. That's the way the Indians have been this year. I don't think you can pull away from a division playing like that. Can you win the division? Yeah, we've seen teams do that, and the Indians, I think, are still going to win the division just simply based upon their pitching. But when you look at this team, they're not going to pull away. They're not going to be a Houston. Houston has just had some outstanding winning streaks. We're going to talk about the Dodgers in the second half hour, just their hellacious baseball record that they've got this year, Mark, and and the Dodgers do. The Indians aren't going to do that this year. And it's tough to put back-to-back World Series appearances together, let alone win back-to-back World Series. It's it's awfully tough to do that because the Indians have got a bullseye on their back. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about that winning streak stuff. And, and what the Dodgers are doing right now, they're in the midst of a magical year. And I don't know what they did over the weekend. I, I didn't follow it. But up, I think it was on Thursday or Friday. At that point in time, whenever it was, they had the best record in the history of the Dodgers to that point in the season. And that, I mean, that's a storied franchise. And to to have that kind of – and they've had winning streaks where they win six, seven, eight in a row, and then they lose a game, then they win six, seven, or eight in a yeah. row again. I mean, that's – they're just unconscious right now. And, you know, it's this team has a chance to win about 110 games this year. And every time I hear that number, you know, 110, 112, 115, I think of the 1954 Indians. <laughs> and then they go in and get swept in the World Series. Uh, against the Giants, but you know the playoffs are, is a different season, and the Indians right now, I think they're in the. T- I would put the Indians, uh, you know, they're there with Chicago, and they're there with the Yankees, uh, with uh, Houston. Houston may be a notch above those two teams, but Los yeah, Angeles, I, I think. Go ahead. Well, I think Los Angeles and Houston right now, I think, are the creme de la creme. Then you have a second tier of teams, which I think includes the Cubs and the Indians and the Yankees and, and maybe the Red Sox. Uh, but after that, there's a big drop-off until you get to the next level of teams. But uh, th- those two, three, four teams are clearly the best in baseball. But right now, if I went into the playoffs with, with the Dodgers, or have the way they're playing right now, I, I don't think anybody can beat them. Well, we'll go over the Dodgers here in the second half of our show. Also in the second half hour, we want to talk about the Pete Rose situation. I know we talk about Pete a lot, but I'll tell you, even in retirement market, age 73, Pete Rose still dominates the sports headlines whenever anything happens with him. And we're going to talk about his situation coming up in the second half hour. But right now, let's talk about the Indians, who we've been talking about. 59-50, and 50, they're in first place, two and a half games up on Kansas City, six games up on Minnesota. I think Minnesota is starting to fall back probably to where they're supposed to be. Meanwhile, the Reds... They're 45 and 66 on the season mark. They're in last place in the National League Central. But you know what? I think that not only is that record a little deceiving, but look at how far back they are behind the Cubs in the Central. 13 and a half games behind. Yeah, that's respectable, Mark. Even with the record being what it is, 45 and 66. Yeah, I know the Cubs haven't had the kind of year that they've had the last two seasons, but still, only 13 and a half games behind. That's respectable. Well, Dave, I think uh, I think you just articulated the plight of the Reds. That we can say, gee, being thirteen and a half games back in early August, that's not bad. I mean, that's that's how bad that team is. That we think that being only thirteen and a half games behind a team that hasn't played all that well, i.e., the Cubs, <clears throat> is making progress. I disagree. I think the Reds stink right now. And I'll get into why I think they stink, <clears throat> but I don't want to be somebody who's making a, a criticism of the team without making a suggestion for the team. <laughs> so I'll get into that later as well. But <clears throat> right now, the Reds pitching staff is as bad. Well, it, it's it, it's historically bad. It's not just historically bad for the Reds. It's historically bad for Major League Baseball history. So the conundrum there, as we'll get into later, is there are eight players on the field. Pretty darn good. 
but their pitching staff has a lot of problems. First of all, Homer Bailey is having the typical problems that somebody who's coming back from shoulder surgery, Tommy John surgery, whatever you want to call it, would have. He's up, he's up one game, he's down the next game. DeSclefani looked like things were going pretty well for him, and then Anthony DeSclefani had to leave his last outing, and it looks like he's going to undergo Tommy John surgery. Right, Mark? Well, that's he's getting his second opinion. They, they first said it was just inflammation, uh, and but they're going to get other – you know, he should have had this surgery done last year, and he'd be, he'd be back, at, you know, probably by now. But he may have to go to surgery, and his career is in jeopardy. This guy may not come back, and that's that. We've talked about this before. He's another guy who throws really hard, and he he just his arm isn't holding up. And I mean, how does it get better as he gets older? I, I don't understand that theory. Uh, but maybe surgery will be the key. But rehab has not worked. Robert Stevenson, after one good outing, Mark. After all the all the shows that we have just lambasted on Robert Stevenson. He has one good outing, and now he's on the deal with a bruised rotator cuff. Well, Dave, that, that, again, that good outing is grading on the curve. Uh, I watched that game, and he, he was okay. Uh, he got hit hard. He was, okay for him. Gr- he was great for him. And what yeah, he's well, done over the last few games. <laughs> again, you're, you're right. I mean, th- that's the standard we're using now, grading on the curve. You know, comparatively, yeah, he was better last time out, but he was he was not anywhere near overpowering, uh, except for a great play by uh, Jesse Winker in right field. In fact, two good plays. Uh, they would have scored, you know, three or four more runs. So I'm not yet on the, the Stevenson bandwagon in terms of his ability to help this team and be the number one starter. He, Dave, he's not even – he'll be lucky if he's the number six starter in this team next year, the way he's pitching now. Well, and then you've got Scott Feldman, who's returning Saturday. I thought they were going to keep Feldman out a little while longer, but I think their pitching woes are, are such, Mark, that they're just looking for anybody who can actually throw the ball over the plate right now. And matter of fact, if, if Bronson Arroyo didn't have a sore arm, they might even still be using him. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if he's just giving it a, another shot here, because it's it's really embarrassing to have – uh, right now, the team has the worst ERA for starting pitching in the history of baseball. And that goes back to, I think they went back to 1903, I think, on that, when they looked at it. That's quite a statement. You know, 114 years, and you get the worst starting rotation ERA-wise. So that's uh, that's not something you're going to fix in a year. Uh, you're, you're talking a complete overhaul of this team to, to bring in some pitchers because the there was a very interesting article in the Cincinnati Inquirer today by by Doherty, um, and he he made he made the point that you and I have made. Whatever the Reds organization is doing with their pitchers, how they train them, how they do weights, how, whatever they do, it's not working. And change it. he looked, change it exactly, change it, do something different, because whatever you're doing isn't working. Whether it's the it's the coaching, it's the trainers, it's but they break down. I mean, people forget this is the second year in a row they've lost all five starting pitchers at the beginning of the year. My, my question is, what are they doing in the off season? Are they throwing too much? They're not throwing enough. What kind of weight program? What kind of dietary program are they on? Uh, whatever it is, <laughs> the results speak for themselves. And this is now I me mean, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, four years in a row that the pitching has been absolutely horrendous, whether it's the bullpen, the starting pitchers. You know, a couple bad years, you oh, yeah, what happens to everybody, but not four years in a row. Uh, so th- there's there's something amiss, and I don't know what it is, but uh, I got some ideas with regard to how the Reds might go forward later on. You know, and my question would be, you know, four or five years ago, pitching was the hallmark of this team. It wasn't the hitting. You and I complained about the hitting when the Reds were winning. Um, I complained about Brooke Jacoby, who was the hitting coach. Now you notice he's gone to Toronto. He's the hitting coach up there. And what's going on with the Blue Jays? They're not hitting the baseball. So, you know, I, I always thought Brooke Jacoby was the problem. Brian Price was the pitching coach. There's been some continuity there as far as what has happened with the Reds and their so-called pitching staff coaching staff. 
because Brian Price, you know, he's the manager. There's not a lot that he's going to do with the hitters, Mark. I mean, let, let's call a spade a spade here. But what is it that does Brian Price just turn over all of the reins to the current pitching coach, or what, what's going on? Because you know he was he was labeled as as almost a genius with that pitching staff five years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's easy to be a genius when you've got Matt Latos, Johnny Cueto, Mike Leak, uh, uh, Simon, I forget his first name, uh, and, and Homer Bailey, a healthy Homer Bailey. Yeah, you can be a really good pitching coach when you have that kind of staff. But those but guys didn't get hurt. What? Those guys didn't get hurt. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, whatever the reason, you're right, they didn't get hurt. Homer Bailey got hurt in, what, uh, 13, I guess? Yeah. Or 14. And so you're right, they didn't get hurt. But your point was that, that he's a he's a great pitching coach back back in the day. Well, with that staff, my point is anybody, you and I could be a great pitching stick. If, no, my, no, that point, staff is, my point, Mark, is those pitchers didn't get hurt, and Brian Price was the pitching coach. So what are they doing now with Brian Price as manager rather than what they were doing back then with these pitchers getting getting hurt all the time? You know, that's the only, that's the only stable item that they've got between those years when they had pitchers that didn't get hurt between now and and now they've got pitchers that get hurt all the time. Is Brian Price? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the answer to that, and I don't think anybody does. It's, it's maybe it's what they've drafted and traded for of late, but to have a staff this bad two years in a row, somebody's not paying attention. Somebody has missed the boat. Whether it's because guys are getting hurt too often, or that they don't have the right kind of motion or mechanics. Uh, they throw too hard, whatever it is. Uh, but but it, as as Doherty said, unless they change the the the, the way, and, and he almost articulated precisely what you and I have talked about, you got to teach the guys to pitch, not to throw, because human nature is. And I, I've done the same thing when I used to pitch. If if I if a guy hit a, a shot off of me, well, next time I'm going to throw it even harder. He won't hit it. Well, you end up you just Flattening out your fastball, and, and I was never a great pitcher. But you can see what happens when you just try to overcome everything by throwing another fastball. These, these kids don't know how to pitch. And in, in terms of their, their development as pitchers, that starts in the low minors. And I don't know who's down there, what they're using as the, their, their cookbook, but as Dockery said, it ain't working. Yeah, it, it, it definitely isn't working and you know it leads me to believe that there's some sort of disconnect between Brian Price and the pitching coach well that's an organizational issue I'm not sure you're probably right just because it makes sense but I think the problem starts much earlier than that I think it starts in the low minors you have to give these guys the framework in which they're going to develop now you have to assume that a lot of people guessed wrong about uh, Stevenson. I mean, he was a highly sought-out guy, first-round pick, but I think he was a 20, what, 24th pick or 23rd pick. Uh, he was drafted in, I think, uh, 06, I think, or no, uh, 09. Uh, and he's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and somebody, everybody assumed he was going to be a, a great pitcher, and he's not. So, what you have to go back is look at what you've done. How are you developing these players that you draft? How are you drafting the players? What criteria are you looking at? Just a guy who throws the hardest? I mean, that, that's a pretty dumb argument to, to make to try and draft somebody. And I, I hope they didn't make another mistake this year with Hunter Green. Who, who knows? I mean, this guy could have made it as a shortstop. And by the way, he's playing his first game tonight, by the way. But well, he, I, thought, gonna, I thought he was he, playing he, tomorrow night in Billings as a DH. Well, I thought that I was thought tonight. That was maybe, you, maybe you're right. You might be right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, it was interesting because I, I wanted to bring that up, that he's going to be a DH in Billings. Yeah, and, you know, he could have been drafted as a shortstop. They said he wouldn't have been a number one, uh, but he would have been a high draft pick as a shortstop. And he's a, he's a you know big, strong, power-hitting kid, but he's in a DH. That's kind of neat. Yeah, <laughs> and then his first his first trip to the mound is going to be August the 27th. They're going to hold him off until August the 27th, still in Billings. I've been in Billings before, Mark, 
If they have 24 people in the stands, they're lucky. Yeah, I've been to Billings, too. I actually kind of like Billings, but... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, they got, they got, you know, Montana State's there. They they got a nice dome that they play in, you know, but it's cold. It's too cold. Yeah, it is cold there. Yeah, it's, that's just Billings. Now, on the other side of the frame, Mark, you've got what I call the best pitching staff in baseball in the Cleveland Indians. And the reason I call them that is because they technically have three guys that could be an ace on any team in baseball. And I mean any team in baseball. Their current ace is Corey Kluber. Mark, he's got eight strikeouts at least in his last 12 starts. That's almost an unbelievable stat. That That's that's Nolan Ryan-ish right there. Yeah, he's, he's a special pitcher, but you're right. Uh, you know, you can go up and down that starting rotation, and <laughs> Carrasco, and, and I mean, who's who's number one on your in your mind? I saw oh, Carrasco pitchers. Well, I know, but you know, if you look at Carrasco and you didn't know about Kluber, you'd say, oh yeah, that's your number one guy. Yeah, <laughs> he looks pretty. He looks pretty strong. And, and the way Danny Salazar is pitching since he came back from the DL, you could look at him and say he's your number one guy too because. He's been pitching outstanding baseball. He's got an ERA under two ever since he came back after the All-Star break. He's 3-1 and one, uh, off the DL just before the All-Star break. I'm sorry. He's 3-1 and one since he came back. Trevor Bauer is the enigma. Trevor Bauer is a guy that if he can get through the first two innings, Mark, he's unhittable. It's those first two innings. And, you know, there's been a lot of pitchers that way, Mark, that you know no, normally the first inning would be their bugaboo. Maybe the second. But, boy, after that, Trevor Bauer, if he can get past those first two innings, he's almost unhittable. He's lights out. And if you put him in there, then you've got Josh Tomlin, who is on the DL now. He's going to be out for about a month with a hamstring injury, which was really strange how he injured that last week in one of the games against Boston because it didn't look like he hurt himself. He was just throwing warm-up pitches in between innings and, the Indians staff saw what happened, came out, and had to pull him. But then you've got Mike Clevenger, who is stepping in. And, you know, that kid's had only one bad outing since he came back up to uh, play with the Indians. So he's he's been really quite a find for the Indians. You know who they got him from? No. The Los Angeles Angels. Wouldn't they love to have a guy like that in their rotation right now? Hey, what's the latest on Miller? Is he is going to be out for the 10 days? He'll be out for the 10 days, but I saw Ken, a report from Ken Rosenthal this afternoon, who, by the way, is no longer with Fox. Uh, that That's a real interesting development. Ken Rosenthal used to be, you know, the bow tie guy with Fox. He's no longer with Fox. For some reason, they've let him go. But nonetheless, uh, Andrew Miller has got... Uh, inflammation, it's tendonitis in the patellar tendon of his right knee, which is the plant knee. Now, he says it's something that he goes through every couple of years. It's nothing to worry about. The Indians say it's nothing to worry about either. Matter of fact, Rosenthal even said earlier tonight, I saw a report, Miller says this is the best his arm has felt in years. He just thinks his arm is just outstanding right now. And he's giving all the credit to Francona and the way Francona is using him. You know, they're, they're taking a page out of your book, Mark. I'm going to give you all the credit on this. Not last at bat, but your pitching, your pitching book, okay? <laughs> they're get, they have gotten into situations, Mark, where, hey, the game is on the line in the sixth inning. Bring him in then. And, and that's something that's right. that you have talked about over the past few years, and, and that's what the Indians have done. I saw, you know, Brian Price has kind of gotten away from that, though. That's right. I mean, I think that makes all the sense in the world, and it, it creates much more strategic baseball, uh, not just, you know, go by the book all the time. And that's, you know who did that? Madden was the first guy who did that. He started that four or five years ago when he was down at Tampa Bay. He was doing crazy things, that you know, things that everybody kind of made fun of. But he was right. And I think that's going to be the future of baseball. And it gets back to what we talked about earlier. These guys getting hurt. And, you you know, if you change the way they approach the game, I mean, if, if you're signed as a three-inning guy, that's going to be what you are. 
Well, you, you develop different muscles and you develop, you know, your, your approach is different. As opposed to say, I got to get there and, and pitch eight innings if I am starting. Why? What's the, if you have other guys who are designed to do that too? Uh, it just makes all the sense in the world to me, and I think that's going to be the next major change in baseball the next four or five years. But the interesting thing is, Mark, that with Brooke Logan gone now for the year, he's going to have Tommy John surgery. The Indians' other left-handed reliever, matter of fact, he was one of their key free agent acquisitions <coughs> during the off season. With him out for the year, Rosenthal also said that the Indians are looking for another left-handed reliever to pair up with Miller so they didn't have to use Miller too early, kind of like what they did with, with Kyle Crockett a year ago. Now, I've always been a Kyle Crockett fan, but, you know, if there's one thing that drives me crazy about the Indians organization is that they get tunnel vision on certain players, and Kyle Crockett is one of them, Mark. He comes up and he does nothing but get bad, get guys out. But because he doesn't look dominant doing it, the Indians just have no confidence in him over the long the long haul. Now they're probably seeing something that I don't see. But I'm one of those guys that if if a player is successful, Mark, let him go until he's not successful. The Indians don't take that approach, especially with Kyle Crockett. Boy, they've been very, very hesitant to give him a long-term look at the major league level. But now they're out looking for a left-handed reliever. I don't know if they're going to do something before the waiver deadline. You know, it's interesting, Mark. You know, one of the big stories last week was Justin Verlander of Detroit. They put him through waivers. He's eligible to be traded. But because he's a 10-5 and player, meaning he's been in the major leagues 10 years and, and five with the same club, he can veto any trade. You think he would? You know, I, I think depending upon who it is, yeah. I, I could see him. I mean, would you want to go to Pittsburgh? Why would he want to stay with Detroit? <laughs> you know, it's likely if he's picked up, he's going to be picked up by the Dodgers or the Yankees. Uh, the Indians don't need him. Uh, the Cubs? The Cubs could use him. Oh, yeah, the, uh, Cubs, the Cubs need him big time. I mean, why wouldn't he go to a potential World Series champion? I mean, I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, Mark. I totally agree with you. I mean, you could you could send him back to Washington and pair him up with Max Scherzer. No, oh, jeez. You know, I mean, what what a duo that would be. And, you know, and that might be something that Washington might ha- almost have to do. You know, Mike Rizzo. We've talked about this before, Mark. Mike Rizzo does not seem to want to pull the trigger on trades that will improve his team. I mean, you've got a Dodgers team, Mark, that's running away with the National League. Like you said earlier, they're just running away with it. And you look at this Washington team, if you put Verlander on that pitching staff with Strasburg and Scherzer, boy, the Dodgers are going to have their hands full. Well, anybody would have their hands full with that rotation. Well, yeah. You're right. I mean, that's, that, that's just an outstanding rotation. But, you know, these, these teams... What's happening over the last three or four years particularly, some of these pitching rotations are like an all-star team. And that is the big separation between a team like the Dodgers and a team like the Reds. Now, the Indians have done it, I think, the old-fashioned way. They've made good trades. They've drafted well, all that. But, you know, the Dodgers, the Indians, the whoever gets Verlander, Washington, I mean, that, that imagine that rotation. That is league – that's a league above teams like the Reds and anybody else in the Central. No I can't team can see, compete with that. Yeah, I can't see Detroit. You know, I sit here and I say I can't see Detroit trading him to Boston. But Mark, realistically, you know, Dombrowski's at Boston. And, you know, he used to be the GM at Detroit for years. He built this team with Detroit. Um, you know, if anybody knows Verlander, it's Dombrowski. And Dombrowski's the one that signed him to that deal that is keeping him in Detroit where a lot of, a lot of teams don't want to have anything to do with it. You, you know, I, I sit here and I say, I don't think Detroit would trade him to Boston, but I'll tell you one thing, maybe they would. Well, Detroit's not going anywhere, and I think they, they missed their window like the Reds did, 
Hey, back in 10, 12, and 13, the Reds had a chance to win a couple of World Series, and they didn't. And Detroit did too. I mean, they they had great teams, and they, they just haven't won. So it's, you know, once that window begins closing, you've got to make a decision. Do, do I, you know, think they'd ever trade Cabrera? I, I don't know who would take his contract, but uh, those are the kinds of decisions that you have to make. And I don't see Detroit coming back uh, and being a contender in the next three or four years. Maybe they got a better farm system than I think they do. But my, my point was that these super teams are distancing themselves uh, from the rest of the pack. And I don't know how you you curb that. I mean, remember like the Yankees back in the, the 50s and 60s. I mean, they, they were so much better than everybody else that it was hard to compete. And I, I see the same bifurcation of of talent levels in, in, in Major League Baseball now. There's a big difference. When I saw the Reds play the Washington Nationals uh, after the All-Star break, it, it was it was like a double-A team playing a Major League team. It, it, it weren't even close. I mean, they were that, the pitching obviously was the big, the big component there. But, you know, when you, when you build an organization like the Indians have, you can go back and you can look at things they've done well. You, you know, they... They don't make mistakes, and the same with Washington, the Dodgers, and of course the Dodgers have more money than God, but, uh, you know, teams, when you have to rely on the draft, and that's what the Reds have had to do, because they, they don't sign free agents, they haven't for years and years and years, I doubt they will, they have to go out and and make sure that their farm system delivers to them players that can step up and, and help this team. Let me read some names to you, Dave, just uh, yeah. to see if these names remind you of anything. Brandon Larson, Austin Kearns, Cal Hywington, David Espinoza, Jeremy Sowers, Chris Gruller, Ryan Wagner, Homer Bailey, Jay Bruce, Drew Stubbs, Devin Mazzaracco, Yonder Laron- uh, Alonzo, Mike Leak, Yasmani Grandel, Robert Stevenson, and listen to these ne- last uh, six. Nick Trebioso, Phil Urban, Nick Howard, Tyler Stevenson. Those guys have never played in the big leagues. They were number one picks. Then you have Nick Senzel from last year and Hunter Green this year. Now, those guys may be great players, Hunter Green and Nick Senzel. But Tyler Stevenson is still playing for Dayton in low A ball. He's hitting two sixty one. Nick Howard... He's been up for four years, has an ERE, a 560 ERA in low A ball. Phil Irvin is is playing in triple A ball, hitting 249. Nick Travieso has been on the DL five times. Robert Stevenson is two and seven with a lifetime ERA in the big leagues of seven. Now, those are the, the ones I just mentioned are the number one draft choices from the last seven years. And these guys just are not producing. Now, is it their fault? Is it the coaching staff? You know, in other words, you, you, you bring in a great player, and is it falling apart at the selection part? They're picking the wrong player, or they're picking the right player, and they're not being developed at the low minors. Those are the kind of questions. If, if the Reds are going to survive, they've got to draft perfectly. And they're not, not only they're not drafting perfect, perfectly, they're not drafting badly. They're they're drafting really bad. <laughs> that's not gonna that's not gonna build your your organization. Mark, name off the draft picks from 2008 through 2016. One more time, just those years. Yonder Alonso, <clears throat> he was in 2008. Uh, Mike Leake. Now, those guys are both gone. They're not with the organization anymore. Yasmani Grandel is playing for the Dodgers. He's not with the organization anymore. And then Robert Stevenson, Nick Travioso, Phil Irwin, Irvin, uh, Nick Howard, Tyler Stevenson, and Nick Senzel and Hunter Green. The reason I – well, Hunter Green was this year, 2017. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, who ran the draft last year? Was it Dick Williams? Yeah, in fact, I think he ran it the year before. So, you know, with, with Sinzel, every, everything I hear about Sinzel is he's going to be a great hitter. So you, you have to, you know, you can't expect anything from those guys for the next couple of years. That That's given. But what concerns me 
is the draps between Devin Mesoraco was in 2007. Now he's had one good year since he came up. Mm-hmm. That was it was two years ago. And DeAndre you know Alonso. Yeah, I know, and, and you're right. I, his, his defense is, is brutal. Uh, Yonder Alonso is just got traded today to the Mariners. Didn't yes. do anything when he played for the Reds. Mike Leake is with the Cardinals. Grandel is with the Dodgers. And then the rest of these guys are, are not only – it's not the fact that they're, they're in the minor leagues. They're not performing in the minor leagues. That's what that's right. the problem. Well, and the point I was trying to make with the draft picks between 2008 and 2016 were those were the years that Walt Jockety was running the draft. Yeah, and he, remember who he traded? He traded uh, Yandra Alonso and Grandal. And who was the other guy who was uh, in that trade that got Matt Latos? There was three pretty good players. Who were, who were the first two that you said? Uh, Grandal and Yandra Alonso. And wasn't wasn't there a pitcher? Wasn't it um, yeah. the right-handed pitcher that was with Kansas City for a while? Not Cueto. Uh, no, I, I know who you mean, and I can't think of his name either. But pretty good pitcher. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, box box lighter or box. Yeah, box lighter. I think is his name. Okay, he's pretty good. He's pretty good reliever. The Reds gave up a lot to get uh, Matt Latos, and he and he had one and a half good years. And of course, and he right was now, a terror he was, in the clubhouse. Yeah, he was a real a real jerk, and nobody liked him. And now yeah. he's gone. So, what do you have for those three draft choices? Nothing. Nothing. Well, actually, you have the kid who pitched the other night, the, the Latin kid who always we always forget his name uh, for the Reds. Uh, that's who they got. They got him from the Marlins for the, the yeah. trade last year. So that's yeah. how that's come around. But um, you know, the, the Reds just have got to hit it right on this draft, and they're not. And that, that's that's a frightening thing because they're not going to spend money for free agents. And if you can't develop it internally and you don't spend the money, you're you're out of luck. Yeah, but it's not just number one picks, Mark. It's it's the other picks, too. I mean, people don't realize this isn't the NBA draft with just two rounds. It's not the NFL draft with just seven rounds. The Major League Baseball draft, what, it goes about 80 or 90 rounds? Uh, it goes a long way, yeah. I mean, you have guys that are <laughs> drafted number 325 or 226 or whatever it yeah. is. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, I it's ridiculous. You know, Mark, there's a couple things I want to get into, and let let uh, we we've put it off long enough. But this Pete Rose situation, um, you know, there's no bigger fan uh, of Pete Rose than than probably I am. Maybe, maybe you, I don't know, but you know, I've always been in Pete's corner. I've always thought that that Pete, you know, basically could could walk on water. But this situation that has come up with uh, him and the 14, 15-year-old girl that uh, John Dowd alleged that he slept with, and now evidently it, it has become a, a true story. Um, you know, as it's really put a damper, I think, Mark, on Pete's image. You know, the gambling put a, put a, a tarnish on his image, but people could get, a, you know, he, he could get away with that. And people could still say, hey, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Mark, I still think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I think with the with this coming out last week, I think his chances for the Hall of Fame are completely gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell you what, the only thing that could have been more embarrassing for the Reds, the organization, is this information came out a week before they unleashed his sliding statue in front of the ballpark. I mean, what would they have done then? I mean, he, he was honored on the field and all this stuff. And had that come out then, do you think they would have gone ahead with the statue? You know, you and I talked about this last week. Pro- you know, probably. I, I think I know you, you think differently. I think they probably would have gone ahead because only in Cincinnati – would they just forget about all of this and let Pete, you know, it's obvious because Philadelphia 
Boy, they took the 40,000 bobblehead dolls for P. Rose that they were going to give away on Saturday, and they packaged them back up, and they put them someplace in a storage bin underneath their ballpark. They're not giving any of those things away. They canceled the entire weekend celebration in which they were going to put Rose in their Hall of Fame. Boy, they just ended everything just so abruptly just three days before it was going to happen. Yeah, it it could have been a really uh, horrible situation for the Reds organization. And now, if some of the stuff comes out and it's proven, it's documented, and there's more stuff in this lawsuit that gets out, you know, the Reds are in a no-win situation. I mean, they if they keep the statue up of Pete, and, you know, he's inducted in their Hall of Fame now, uh, what do they do? do you, can you Can you... Say we were just kidding about the Hall of Fame stuff, and, and, and take back his number. I mean, it, it's I, really a, a really tough situation for the Reds. I don't think they're they're going to do anything with the statue, the number, nothing. As far as they're concerned, it's done, it's over with. That's it. You know, his statue is there. Let it be. Forget about it. I think that's going to be their I'm, attitude. I'll make a prediction. I'll bet that somebody is going to deface that statue. <laughs> no, I do. I, I think somebody will go down there and, and, and they will, you know, make a, try to make a statement, pizza, bad guy, and all that stuff, and they'll, they'll deface it. I hate that this was on one of the radio stations in Cincinnati, but somebody said that they ought to put a blow-up doll underneath him on that statue. <laughs> Um, you know, it just—I wish I'd have thought of that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you know, Mark. I mean, it, it's it's a sad situation, and in our endeavoring attempt to bring politics into baseball, you know, we talked about John Dowd last week, and what is his job, Mark? I asked you this last week. I'll ask it again. What is John Dowd's job now? He's with Trump. Yes. Okay. Who is one of his assistant attorneys? I don't know. You're going to love this one. The guy's name, honest to God, I couldn't make this up. You couldn't write oh. a book. Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ty you, Cobb, yeah. Yeah. Pe- people would really... Talk about a jerk. If you want, to, you want to read a story about a guy who did stuff as bad or worse than Pete Rose, read Ty Cobb's life story. Oh, this yeah. guy, he was a he was a horrible human being. I mean, he was he tried to kill a couple of black guys, knifed them, and in an elevator fight, and spiked guys, put them in the hospital, and they say he cheated and and bet he and Tris Speaker threw some games, all this stuff, and yet he's in the Hall of Fame. So that that's you know you, you have to be able to separate the personal personalities of these guys from their baseball achievements. And in in that regard, that answers a lot of issues. If if baseball just makes a rule, like we're not going to be the moral judges of these players, here's what they did on the field. Like them or dislike them. You you know, you can hate somebody who's very accomplished in a certain area. And that's what I think. If baseball, they would save themselves a lot of trouble and say we are not going to be the, 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 the moral evaluators of a player off the field. That's not why we're here. We're here to judge them on what they do on the field. That would eliminate a lot of problems. Well, and Mark, on the weekend, just this past weekend, it was the NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. And who is expected to be inducted into the Hall of Fame next year in the NFL? None other than Baltimore linebacker Ray Lewis. And a lot of people think he got away with murder. But they yeah. still say he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Nonetheless. You know, another thing I want to talk about, Mark, is the baseball replay. You and I both saw the play last, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night. And Tucker Barnhart coming home to try to score on on a base hit to left field by, or to right field, excuse me, by Billy Hamilton. And, Mark, I don't know how you felt about it, but I'm going to give my opinion of it, then you can go ahead and give yours. But, in my opinion, Tucker Barnhart was obviously safe. There was no question about it. It was easy to see. It was a very easy, the the umpire, the home plate umpire, called him out. But it was very easy to see that he was safe. Matter of fact, the home plate umpire had a terrible angle 
on the play. And they went to the replay, and Mark, what did it take, three minutes for them to yep. finally decide that they were going to uphold the call and and make, you know, make they, they ended up calling him out. Mark, if they can't figure out that the guy was safe on every angle that they had on that replay, there's no sense in having replay. Yeah, that that was one of the more egregious missed calls I can recall. Remember, since they started replay a few years ago, uh, how, the question is, how can New York miss that play? You know, yeah. they have the replay to, to back up the home plate umpire who was out of position. You're absolutely right. That's why they have it. But how could anybody sitting in a control booth in New York miss that play? Yeah, it, it was un, unbelievable what they did. And, and that's why if they can't get that right in New York, then there's no sense in even having replay. And, and of course, you know, as a manager, you can't argue about it because the umpires aren't the ones that are calling it. But still, when you look at it, Mark, man, you've got to look at this thing and say, hey, guys, come on. That, that was as obvious a play as anything. And, and they still called him out. I didn't understand it. They never did give a real good explanation for it. Dave, uh, I got a call this week from one of our millions of fans around the world, and uh, this was uh, Jeff Lowry from down in Arizona, one of our friends. And Jeff posed something to me that I first I thought he was kind of kidding. And then I began to look at what he said, and I want to get your opinion on this. He said to me, and th- this was last week, he said, you know, Mark, I think the Cincinnati Reds right now are one of the best teams this organization has had in the last 20 years. And I laughed. I mean, I literally laughed. And he said, no, I'm not talking about your pitching staff. I'm talking about the eight players on the on the field. And I started thinking about it. You know, this is a pretty good team. <laughs> if you compare them over yeah. the last – I went back and looked at the lineups. I mean, you got you got arguably the best first baseman the Reds have ever had. And I include Tony Perez in that. <clears throat> I think Joey Votto is the best – maybe the best player the Reds have ever had. <clears throat> Pardon me, at first base. And then you've got uh, Scooter Jeanette, who's having an all-star year at second. Zach Cozart hit another home run tonight. He's probably going to hit 320, 325 this year with 20 home runs at shortstop. You've got uh, Suarez, who's going to hit 20 home runs this year. And, you know, they are a very, very good team. And look at the outfield. Billy Hamilton uh, and whoever's playing right field. And then Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is going to hit 40 home runs this year. Mm-hmm. You look up and down that lineup, and this team, I look at it as on matchups. Would, would, would they make a certain team? These guys would make, I mean, right now the year that Cozart is having, you know, is pretty close to what Barry Larkin did when he won his MVP. He's going to hit far more home runs and drive in more runs. But, you know, it's in terms of up and down that lineup, it's it's a pretty damn good team. And I'm trying to think who I would put in, in place of some of these guys over the last 20 years, and I, I don't I don't know who I'd pick off other teams to improve this team in the first eight players. But you know, Jeff, you bring up a good point if you're listening, and, and I I didn't think you were serious. Then I went back and looked at the 20 years ago the, the lineups they had. I mean, clearly better than those teams. Now, what you would argue is the teams that won it in 10, uh, 12, and 13. But th- there was a lot of weaknesses in those teams. That's why they didn't win the World Series. No, that's true. And and correct me, who was the catcher those years? Eddie Taubensee. I mean, I thought you meant back in the early 90s. No, no, or 12, early 13, 10, uh, 11, 12, 13. Oh, it was Jason LaRue was a catcher then. Um uh, so Tucker Barnhart probably would have would have been the catcher on that team. Well, in fourteen it was is Devin Mesoraco, but he played thirteen as well. Uh, he got hurt, so he had Mesoraco who was already on the. But Tucker was there. Uh, oh, oh, the other catcher, the, the guy they traded, um, uh, Pena. Uh, what, forget his first name. He was a, a backup catcher for a number of years, and he came with the Reds and, and actually had a couple of good years for the Reds. 
but certainly not a star player by any means. He had right. Brandon Phillips at second base. Uh, he had Cozart short, but he wasn't hitting like he is now. Uh, third base, you had uh, Scott Rowland, and his production was way off, you know, than the last couple of years when he played. Left field was the black hole, remember, for so many years yeah. for yeah. the Reds. Duvall so, would have you know, looked Duvall. good in that lineup, wouldn't oh, he? Oh, boy, he, he would have looked great. Uh, yeah. You had Jay Bruce in right field. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, Jay hit a lot of home runs, but he struck out a lot. And in center field, I forget who the center fielder was. What, Drew Nobody, Stubbs? Yeah, Drew Stubbs. And I'd much rather really have Billy Hamilton than Drew Stubbs. Yeah, so Jay, and then they went and out and Jeff, had you made, Sinshu, Sinshu to play center. That's right, he played only one year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you know, Jeff, you bring up a good point. So uh, we, we did our homework, and... I grudgingly have to admit uh, that's that's something to think about, and it's also something to think about next year. Everybody we mentioned this year should be back, maybe with the exception of Cozart, although I heard today they may try to sign him. But if the Reds go out and get some pitching, or Dave, just put Iglesias in the starting rotation, put a, put Lorenzen in the starting rotation, and you've got 40% of your of your starting rotation there. And those guys would be very effective starters. So I hope they finally take the training wheels off these guys and tell them to go out and pitch. Well, another thing I want to bring up is what happened in Dayton over the weekend. And correct me, I don't know, forgive me, I don't know what the guy's first name is, but uh, Siri, who had the 39-game hitting streak, 39-game hitting streak. Um, What happened to him that night, Mark? I believe it was on Friday night. Um, with the Los Angeles Dodgers farm team. Uh, he came up for his last at-bat uh, to try to extend the 39-game hitting streak. And the first pitch, they tried to hit him. They actually tried to hit him twice and then just eventually just walked him. They didn't give him anything to hit. And, boy, did the play-by-play announcer for <laughs> Dayton go nuts on these guys. Well, he should have gone nuts. I mean, that was that was Bush League. And what happened was one of their players got hit, uh, and the manager, the, the date manager, came out and argued. I, I guess they warned the bench or something, or they had thrown inside to somebody else. So with two outs in, in the last inning, and this guy had a 39-game hitting streak, they wouldn't let him hit. They tried yeah. to hit him, and they finally walked him. And uh, it, it was it was really bush league, and um, it, it's too bad because this kid. Uh, this guy, you know, he's, he's a, he's a tall, skinny kid. He's, he's like 6'2", 180 pounds, but he's got 19 home runs. And he, and he's fast, and he, he makes contact, obviously. And he, he's still at A ball. So I, I think they were probably waiting for the, for the, uh, streak to end before they moved him up, but I can't imagine he would not be moved up to double A pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Mark, a couple of guys that Major League Baseball lost over this past weekend. Darren Dalton died of brain cancer, former catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies at age 55. Uh, and he was really well-loved in Philly. I remember Darren Dalton coming up. He was a really good-looking guy. Uh, looked like a movie star type guy. Yeah. And uh, real thick hair and big smile. And, and you know, it looks like the picture of health. And it's really too bad. Something struck him down like that at that young age, and I guess you're also going to mention Don Baylor, who, who passed away yeah. today. I guess, uh, yep. and boy, I I only met him one time. I met him at a um, a banquet uh, in New York, and you talk about a big guy. Now that was a big guy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, I remember looking at his wrists, and they looked like my thighs. You know, <laughs> he's he's a guy you would not want to get into a fight with. He's, he couldn't hurt him. But boy, it's it's amazing. Uh, th- these guys are so um, vulnerable, uh, despite their their physical appearance. And, and Darren Dalton and 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 Baylor were just big, strapping guys. And uh, it's hard to believe that they're gone. Uh, Don Baylor, sixty eight, and he was the first manager of the Colorado Rockies. That's right. They hired the him Brugs- as first. Yeah, what do they call that team out there? The um, the Bombers. The yeah, uh, I forget the name yeah. of the, the they, they had a nickname for that team. I remember when they had their first game. Uh, that, that was quite I, a team out there. Yeah, Mark Adrian Beltre got his three thousandth hit last week. 
<laughs> that kind of snuck up on everybody, didn't it? Yeah, you know, he's got some years left too, and uh, he he may go down. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Fame candidate. When you get three thousand hits, you're Hall of Fame. But people forget he he was one of the greatest fielding third baseman there ever that ever played the game. I think he is is going to be a Hall of Famer, but I I, I think he's what thirty thirty eight years old. Yeah. I mean, with the DH, he could play several more years and and maybe get you know another two or three hundred hits, which would you know almost guarantee him to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think he's a Hall of Famer right now. I do too, you know. But you didn't hear he didn't hear much about him mainly because. I think he plays down in Texas. Well, I know he plays down in Texas, but I think that's the main reason that you don't hear a lot about him is because you don't hear a lot about Texas Ranger players uh, an awful lot. But him hit, reaching that 3,000-hit plateau, I mean, once he got within 10 of it, yeah, it was pretty easy to, to keep track of it. But, boy, the previous couple years where he was 100, 200 away from it, boy, they didn't do much publicity about that at all. Yeah, had he played in New York or Chicago, he would have been, you know, getting all kinds of fame and glory. But uh, you're right, playing in a team in a town like uh, Dallas, it's not going to give you a lot of press in the East Coast. And the last thing to talk to you about tonight: who was your second favorite late night talk show host, Mark? I know Johnny Carson was probably your first. Uh, David Letterman. And where was he at this weekend? Cincinnati. At the Reds game. Yeah, at the Reds game. He is, he's, he's a huge Reds fan and uh, has been for years. And uh, um, I forget he was – oh, he was talking to uh, Doherty, Paul Doherty. Yeah. And uh, I remember he interviewed him. Not interviewed him, but he talked talked to him. And uh, <laughs> Doherty was saying that he was – He's been talking to famous people his whole life. He's always been starstruck, except for ballplayers, because he sees them all the time. And he, he, he said uh, he went up to Johnny Cash one time, and he said, Johnny Cash, I'm Paul Docker. He said, stay inquire. And, and Cash's response was, who the F cares? <laughs> you know, the famous, away. the famous concert. That Johnny Cash didn't give. Remember, remember the story about that one where he was so high on cocaine that he just passed out on stage. They had to carry him out. No. That, yeah, he, that was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and my dad was at that concert. Yeah, he he sang the first two songs and then passed out on stage. They had to carry him <laughs> off. Yeah, everybody got their money back. Nonetheless, hey. We're running. We're running short on time. What do the Reds have coming up this week, Mark? Well, they got the Padres coming in. This and right now they're ahead. By the way, the Reds are on top uh, seven to three with uh, one out in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, yeah, Adam Duvall hit a home run tonight, like you said. Yeah, he he had a home run, and Jeanette just got a double down the right field line. Uh, so the Reds are going to win this game, um, hopefully. Uh, and I, I didn't check the schedule going forward. I, I again, I. I, I don't like to look too far ahead because I get depressed. So uh, I, I just looked to the Padres right now. I think they get the Pirates coming up this weekend. Yeah, they've got the the Padres for a four game set. It's going to end up on Thursday afternoon with a businessman special, and then they're heading to Milwaukee. Mark, they've they've got a long road trip coming up in front of them. They've got a three game weekend series at Milwaukee. Then they go to Chicago and play the Cubs four games next week, and then they they're at Atlanta. So they've got a 10-game road trip coming up over the next week and a half, and, and uh, they'll finally come back on August 22nd. Well, the if Indians, they win 12 in a row, look, they, they win 12 games in a row, and Chicago loses 12 games in a row, the Reds will still be in second place. Well, look at it this way. They've got a four-game set with the Cubs coming up at Wrigley Field. They can they can make up some ground. Yeah, that's it. Be optimistic. Yeah, yeah the, the Indians, on the other hand, though, they're off tonight. And they've got a, a two-game set coming up with Colorado, and that's going to be at Progressive Field on Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, Wednesday's going to be a noon a nooner for the Indians and the Rockies. And then Tampa Bay is going to host the Indians over the weekend, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, all of them will be night games except for Sunday, which will be at 110, and we'll talk about it again next week. Have a good week, Mark. Take care, David.
You too. And that's going to do it for our show on this Monday night. Hope that you'll join us again next Monday evening here on the Ultimate Sports Talk show or on the Ohio Baseball Weekly show here on Ultimate Sports Talk as we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And as I said, we will do it again all next week here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on this Monday evening, and we'll talk to you again next Monday night at 9 o'clock on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Have a good week, everybody.